0: Last time in Shadow on the Rails, Alexander Kerrigan, Vincenzo Voli, and Dirk Digby were thrown together over the mystery of a murdered psychic. Their investigation quickly escalated as haunted memories turned into real-world terror, all driven by lurking shadows. What will happen next? Find out in Part 2 of Shadow on the Rails. This will bring the scene to a conclusion, so we are still in a bit of a pickle here, gents. There's some fire, so what are we gonna do with the fire?
1: Well, this this is a, a dry goods or so, or whatever, so we're looking br- break into the crates and see if we can find anything that we can use to, to douse this fire. If not, I'm gonna go to the other side of the door and lock it again. <laughs>
0: Here, does it with more cooking spray. <laughs> there you go. The, or, or the alcohol that I'm sure is in here. Alexander can absolutely find some blankets. Right. If
1: the fire isn't too out of control, then I, I can toss those to Vinny and Dirk and say, put out the fire and try to start doing it myself too.
0: Yes. The makeshift flamethrower did not really set anything on fire. It, it definitely hit... The blood and the larva but it didn't it wasn't strong enough to ignite any of the boxes or goods that are in this car dumping out the whiskey and lighting that on <laughs> fire though that definitely caught some boxes on fire but this is happening pretty quickly you are welcome <laughs> it has not reached a roaring blaze this is happening in the span of a couple seconds Alexander can throw those blankets over there and Vinny can throw them down and step on the fire in his very expensive silk socks. (laughs) There's definitely some smoke in the room at this point, however. Since the roof hatch is open and you guys are barreling down the tracks, there's enough of a cross breeze to pull that smoke out of the room. As the panic recedes a little bit, you take a second come back to your facilities and look around the room. There are definitely what appears to be scratches in the walls in some of the cabinets. It would seem like a human hand almost, but very deep scratches from some sort of blade, maybe. You're not sure. But they do appear to be in a hand or finger configuration. So like a Freddy Krueger scratch? Uh, A little bit like a Freddy Krueger scratch, yes. However, you notice three fingers, not four.
2: In our investigation, do we notice the... Do I notice, I should say, the dead hand? Absolutely.
0: As you guys are looking around, Alexander actually points this out because he was the one that saw it. Behind some boxes, there is a body. And it is Tracy. Ooh.
2: Take up my handkerchief, my monogrammed handkerchief. I cover it over my mouth and nose, and I kneel down to look at the body.
0: You see two things. Very clearly, she is dead. There, there, you've seen enough dead bodies as, as a mobster to know when someone's oh. dead.
1: You have <laughs>
2: no idea. Seen enough, stuffed enough into the back of a trunk. <sighs> yeah, but there's
1: no river nearby to throw him in this time.
3: I ask, is she dead? And Vincenzo's like, how should I know?
2: <laughs> you, you ask if she's dead, and I, I uh, through the monogrammed handkerchief, I say, legally, I can't answer that question.
0: I need a lawyer present. Uh... So Tracy is very clearly dead, and you can see that the blood is very clearly pooling from her body. So, very recently dead. Absolutely. The blood was still warm when you guys walked into the room it was still hot and sticky when dirk touched it accidentally so and Alexander did too actually uh so yes this is a very recent death vincenzo you can also see that there is some sort of pattern carved into tracy's exposed skin she is still wearing the outfit you saw her in earlier but in her arms in her legs under her skirt uh, you can see some sort of pattern you don't recognize the pattern it's very strange it's somehow simultaneously swirling and angular it's very weird it doesn't look like any language you've ever seen it doesn't look like any symbol you've ever seen but her exposed flesh is covered in this strange carving so as you
1: know everything's calming down and I you've already had the conversation about her being dead so uh, I'd walk over and see these carvings for lack of a better word and uh, my question is you know when we're not in the, the scene if I want to use my, my you know me, kind of makeshift
0: psychic abilities do I just describe that What we will do here, what the game calls a scab roll. What we will do is you will take whatever number of dice is equivalent to your rank in a skill. So if you wanted to use, for example, your unpredictable psychometry, which is a rank three, you would take three dice. Uh, You would still roll according to that skill. So you want three or lower. As long as you get at least one success, we can use that as a successful roll. Something like this. There is no risk of damage.
1: Then, yeah, I want I want to do that, and I'll walk up and kind of you know put my hand close to the skin as you know I, I was just talking to her, not necessarily trying to use the psych the psychometry, um, and then I get that that flash of insight. And you said that, that would be three dice. Roll three dice. Get at least
0: one that is three All right, or I lower. got a one, a four, and a six. Perfect. So uh, as you reach out, not intending for any sort of psychic connection, just kind of reaching out in shock like you described, you have a flash. And you see the car you are in, but you three are not there. The damage is not there. The blood is not there. You see the door... Not from the lounge to the end of the train But the door that you walked through Alexander from the front of the train Burst open And you see A dark figure Pulling Tracy Into this car The door shuts And you see this figure Throw Tracy to the ground And reach into its pocket This figure is very dark and shadowy, but the rest of the car is well lit like it is now. And you have this feeling that it's not a lack of light that is making it hard to identify this shadowy figure. But you see it man-sized, a man-shape, it's not something strange, reach into its pocket and pull out a knife and it flashes in, in bright silver. And the figure approaches Tracy. And at that point, your vision ceases.
1: I stumble backwards, perhaps not knocking into either Dirk or Vincenzo, whoever happens to be closest to me. Whoa, buddy. Whoa,
2: whoa,
3: um, whoa. It's got to be Vincenzo. Of course. <laughs> Everybody knocks into Vincenzo.
1: Everyone's got to be dissing me. <laughs> so I, I stumble back, kind of bring my, my hands up to my head. As I back into Vincenzo and I'm shaking and breathe, breathing fast and I look at the body as I, I calm down and kind of whisper under my breath, it, it, it was a knife. It was silver. It was, it was a shadow. A, a, a shadow killed her. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. What you talking about? You seeing
2: a? You seeing the, things? The, what is this? You, yeah I'm, I'm trying to sound very confident, but it's very obvious that I'm a bit incredibly spooked. And I do believe you when you say this, but I say that I don't. All right. <laughs> I, d- I, don't
1: know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's no, there's. Uh, the, there's I got very quiet. I don't know, but the, these, I get these flashes sometimes, and you know, so, sometimes it, it's. Something that has happened. Sometimes it's something that's going to happen. But I, I can never control what what I see. And, and as I reached out to towards her, uh, that's what I saw. I saw her dragged in here by by darkness itself. And and she she was thrown on the floor right there. And I, I saw this flash of a, a silver blade that he pulled out of his pocket. And and then. then there was nothing that that's
3: that's it Dirk has at this point been like constantly like rubbing his the palm of his hand where he saw the larva go in and like as Alexander started talking he started like just staring at him uh, his face just completely blank part of his mustache burnt off (laughs) from the fire that Vincenzo started Uh, but when he finishes He gets up from sitting on the crate that he was on, and he rushes at Alexander, and like, knocks him back into the wall, and like, is grabbing him by his collar, and he's just like, enough! Enough! There's no such thing as spirits, or the supernatural! Stop this, this is crazy! There's another explanation!
1: As he slams me into the wall, just dead calm, look right 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 back in the eyes and
0: say there there are darker things than what you see and actually in that moment as this is happening alexander gets another flash very very brief but it is of a a young boy cowering in his bed terrified of uh. a a a thing of gnashing teeth and many many mouths under the bed and as you uh, as you come back to the room while Dirk kind of knocks you back against the wall again you see that the boy you saw grew into the man before you
1: that's when I say that there there are darker things than than you have seen there there are Darker things than you saw as a boy and that you carry with you today.
3: My eyes were already wide. They widen, and I just stare at him, stare right into the eyes of Alexander. And then I punch him as hard as I can in the face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I take the hit and stumble down and kind of land on hands and knees and look up and kind of shake my head. And look at Dirk and say what happened?
3: I like look at him and I'm still like eyes wide open and I turn around and I like just like go to the other side of the wall and I put my hand up against the wall and I'm just like shut up shut up and
1: I'll look up at Vincenzo with a genuinely confused look on my face as I kind of rub my jaw where I was hit Do you... Do you see anything about me? What? I... I, What are you talking about? You just...
2: Never mind, I say. I wipe my hand. Does anyone... This, uh... This writing stuff, is this, uh... Some sort of weird Black Dahlia nonsense, isn't it? I've seen this stuff... Well, not seen this stuff, but I heard about this stuff before. I used to work as a courier for the Chicago Post. They'd, uh, they'd write about this sort of stuff. Any either of you ever heard about this nonsense? It's Black Dahlia. That's what I reckon this is. I say, pointing at the, the body. I reckon it's just some wacko nut job. That's all it is. We gotta, we just gotta deal with the wacko nut job. That's it, all it is. It's something much
1: more than that. I, I can't can't explain how I know, but it, it's there. It it's not normal well beyond and
0: as you guys are are speaking here the door that alexander had walked through you see it buck against its hinges as if someone is trying to open it not expecting it to be locked so it's just pushed up against it and you hear kind of a thud and then you see the handle shake a couple times you hear a grumbling and a rattle of keys And a moment later, the door opens and the conductor is standing there. He strides into the room with an air of authority and anger that a door on his train was locked. And then he sees you three. He immediately thinks you just got into a fight because Alexander is kind of lying on the ground with a bloody nose. Then he sees the burn marks. On the goods on his train and you see him like take a breath in to get ready to yell because he's upset and then he sees the dead body and the blood and that breath just leaves him instantly and he falls back against the door breathing hard
2: you uh never seen a body before I say it's okay it happens Well, happens to all of us. So, uh, what are we going to do about this, I say?
0: And he's just, what, what on, what on earth is, what, what is happening on my train? What, are you three involved in this? What, what is going on? He's trying to regain his authority, but he's just so completely
3: shocked by what he's seen. I'm going to rush at him, and I'm going to grab him by the collar.
1: Seems to be a trend with you. <laughs>
3: yeah. I'm going to get right up in his face, and I'm just going to say, Stop the train right now. Stop the train right now. And as uh, I'm looking into his eyes, perhaps uh, he sees a little squirm of something in my eyeball for a brief second. And I'll, I'll
1: stand up while, that, while that's going on, kind of pull my composure together, and say and call out if he stops the train whoever did this can leave and escape and get away with it i turn around and i'm just like i don't care about that you don't care about a woman who's lying dead here you don't care about a murder that happened just in front of your eyes you don't care about what we just saw whoa 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 i say stand stepping in between the two of them
2: i don't want another fight so i put a hand up uh, towards each of them and I say look we don't know exactly what happened here We don't know if this woman was murdered or if she just f- fell or something. I say <laughs> <laughs> Fell <laughs> so, Well, like you know what I mean, right? It, no, I don't know it, what you mean It could have been a lot of things all right. We let's let's not like rule a out knife anything <laughs> look look the Alexander the gumshoe over here, he's hes not wrong. If we stopped the train, whoever did this, they could escape. They could get off, run off into the the scrubland and the brush or wherever we are. We need to keep the train moving if we want to solve this thing. Although, that being said, no, wait, I do want to solve this thing. I'm interested now, and I don't want to ride on a train with a murderer. <laughs> Another murderer. <laughs> Look, like I said, without my lawyer present... I don't want to comment on any ongoing, <laughs> ongoing court cases. All I know is I, I'm not allowed to leave All the All I country. know is I
3: thought this train was headed for <laughs> Canada.
2: <laughs> uh, maybe after I see my mother with pneumonia, I am catching the next boat towards <laughs> Africa. Or well, South America. South America, I
0: think. So the conductor is still in shock he's turning his head rapidly between all three of you trying to understand what's going on. He clearly understands that you guys know something more than he does and that's not something he enjoys. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I, there there was a murder on the train. You you I, I I see this unfortunate woman here, but what's going on? Do do we do we know what's happened? Is it not obvious, huh? I, I'm sorry. I, I have no idea what's happening. This whole situation is 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 very strange. Did, did you see what happened? Did you see this? Uh, you, 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 and he points at Alexander. You said something about a knife. Did you see someone stab her? Uh, I,
1: uh, it takes me a second to uh, calm myself down to a low simmer after uh, yelling at Dirk. <laughs> but after I take a deep breath, I... I... Look at him and say, look, I used to be part of the, the Chicago PD. When I come upon a murder scene, it was my job to see <sighs> to see <laughs> what I, uh, was going I, on. I shaved shade my face. <laughs> I did not know that. I, it, it was my job to pick out the details of a crime scene. If, if I say a knife is involved, a knife is involved.
0: So when you say that you worked with... Chicago PD, he kind of focuses on you and says, Oh, okay, uh, well, officer, I, I'll default to your expertise here, sir. We are less than a day from Colorado. If I can stop in Colorado and if we need the authorities, if we need law enforcement, I can wire ahead and, and have them waiting for us at the station. But I, I certainly cannot put any more members of my passengers and crew at risk. I, I, They don't trade me for this. I don't
1: know what to do. No, but they, they train me for this. So let me handle this. Let us handle this. And... Us? <laughs> would you rather not find out? Would you rather keep seeing these things... Would you rather your dreams continue to haunt you, or would you rather solve this? Let the flatfoot do his job. I kind of look over and smirk
3: at the mobster. Alleged. Alleged mobster.
1: First off, (laughs)
2: alleged mobster, yes. Second off, organized crime has not been established as a thing yet, and so as far as as you should be concerned, there is no such thing as the Mafia. And I say that (laughs) looking directly at you.
0: So the conductor uh, is getting to his feet. He's writing himself. He says, all right, fine. If if you're experienced, if you're the expert, I, I will cooperate with you. I will tell my crew to cooperate with you. We'll do our best to keep the passengers quiet and... Unaware of what's happening, I absolutely won't let any of them in this room, in this car, and and we'll just keep going if that's what you think is best.
1: For now, how do I get in touch with you? Are you normally at the front end of the train, or do I just send a porter for you?
0: Yes, uh, there, there is a a private car right before the engine, and, and that's that's my car. The, the head porter stays there. Some of the other crew. Uh, any of the porters can come summon one of us, or, well, given the situation, you are more than welcome to come to that car and find me yourself. Your help's appreciated. And he he reaches out to shake your hand, but then looking around and, and seeing the blood and gore, and he just kind of pulls his hand back uh, very quickly and and leaves the car. Wait, I say before he leaves. He, he turns back, uh, yes? What? Give me your shoes. <laughs> he just looks at you.
2: What? I, I, I stare him dead in the eyes, and with all of the intimidation that can be summoned by a uh, made man in the Chicago organized crime scene, I say, give me your shoes.
0: <laughs> All right, you know what? Let's let's make this a scam roll. So, give me uh, roll five dice. Get me one success at five or lower.
2: Uh, Yeah, I got four successes.
0: In a very puzzled and confused look, he gives you his shoes. And they just happen to be the right
2: size. I was about to say, actually, as he's walking away, I'm like, you study as a clown or something?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, gosh. All right. So at this point, the conductor has basically let you guys take charge of what is happening. What are you going to do next? I turned to the cop. What do you reckon we should
2: do? I, uh, I'm i usually more experienced on the other end of investigating a crime scene, if you know what I mean.
1: Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Well, that, that makes you useful. Because if you, you know of the people who commit these sort of crimes, you know what to look for.
2: You're a very clever man, you know that? I wouldn't have thought that. <clears throat> or it uh, a mobster would say I wouldn't have thought that.
3: I get the idea that um, all of Vincenzo's friends call him Big Mouth Vinny. <laughs> yeah.
2: I could definitely see that. They call me Fast Mouth Vinny. I,
3: I, I understand where he's got to run away to Canada
2: now. <laughs> I'm going in the wrong direction to get to Canada. Nobody
3: even has a slight doubt in their mind that he's a mobster. No.
1: <laughs> Especially the people who have been hanging out with him the whole train ride. <laughs>
3: Yes. <laughs> Can
2: I, as a I use any of my knowledge as a made man in the Chicago Mafia, to sort of work out maybe someone who committed this crime, what they would have immediately done next?
0: Sure. Why don't you give me a roll? All, all five were successes. All right. In your experience, if an individual had decided to commit a murder, allegedly... That individual would be wisest to have an escape route planned. Now, you know that after you heard the screams and the commotion, you and Dirk were in the lounge at the end of the train. No one came into the lounge. You saw Alexander burst into the car from the other side. You saw the porters behind him. It's logical that if someone had been running out of the car, there would have been some sort of reaction. Mm. You're, you're pretty sure that based on the state of the body and the blood, this did not happen earlier. It's not like you just discovered it now. It must have happened very recently. But it just doesn't make sense that there was no one exiting the car Makes sense to me. I look to I
2: look to you, Alexander, and I say, "Hey, no one passed you when you were walking through." No, no, no one ran by me. Did anybody pass you? No one passed us. Ain't nowhere to go but up. I say, pointing towards the hole in the ceiling.
1: All right, who who wants to look again?
2: I already had a look. Someone else, <laughs> I say. I I kneel down and thread my Thread my fingers together to form like a makeshift, like you know, lifting someone up.
1: Hey Dirk, you're not afraid of anything, right?
3: Ooh, you got a little Marty McFly in me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you ain't a chicken, <laughs> are you? Especially because Alexander says it. I like when he says that. I like my jerk. I jerk my head in his direction, and I'll look at uh, Alexander and I'll give him an obscene gesture.
2: I read that in the Harry Potter <laughs> once. Good way to say it.
3: And I will shake my head, and I'll not say another word, but I'll put my foot up into Vincenzo's hand and lift myself up.
0: I hoist you up, yeah. All right, so when you hoist yourself up there, you are immediately struck in the face by the wind and I was like, oh, gosh, why? <laughs> no, no, just the wind.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Shenzo. <laughs> your your hey. jugular
0: is ripped open. All right, so when you hoist yourself up there, you are immediately struck in the face by the wind and a little bit of dust and debris in the air. But as a stuntman, you are
3: used to... Oh, yeah. ...adverse conditions. I, I almost think the wind in my face calms me a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Maybe I, I a mean, larva
3: flies out of my eye.
0: <laughs> this is this is very similar to stunts of riding on the tops of cars mm-hmm. or uh, balancing on the oh, this edge is, of a building. This is
3: not the first time I've been on top of a tree.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, maybe not going this fast, but <laughs> you, you hoist yourself up there. Uh, you're in at least a familiar situation looking to your left and your right, you do not see anyone on top of the train. You see the countryside whizzing by. However, what you do see are more of those weird claw marks.
3: And they're headed towards the front of the train, aren't they? They are indeed. Once I see that, I kind of like scan, I, I see it right down right by my hand as my palm is like on the top of the train and I like my eyes follow them as I see them kind of not going straight but kind of going in a zigzag and I notice that at one part it even goes off the side of the train car and looking forward it comes back up at another spot and it just i my eyes go right towards the first train car I can't see that far but that's what I'm assuming and so I jump down and I just look at Vincenzo and I look at Alexander and I just point towards the front I think the the conductor went the wrong way What did you see? All I saw was claw marks How far does it go? I can't tell. As far as I could tell keeps going forward
2: I pull my pistol, and I say, "Well, boys, whoa. looks like it's
3: hunting season."
1: Whoa!
2: whoa Where did you get we,
1: that? We we have we don't know anybody's guilty
3: yet. No, I'm okay with this. We need this.
1: <laughs> it's
2: uh. Are you kidding uh, me? I like.
3: I'm so happy we have a gun right now. Do you have any more? Is my question.
2: Poor. Uh, I feel like coming up with a. Uh, a shotgun and some rifles is a little bit <laughs> cheatsy, so maybe I have a single backup pistol, a little tiny a derringer. Thing, but that'd probably, yeah, a little derringer. But that'd probably be back in my room again. So I say, <clears throat> on the way, don't worry. You want a piece? On the way, I'll get you a piece.
3: I do. I've shot many guns in my time as a stuntman, and I mutter under my breath. <laughs> They all had blanks in them, but I've shot many guns. <laughs> the line
2: "I've shot many guns." There is no such thing as a better indicator <laughs> of that you have you never have fired no a weapon. No idea what before. you're talking yes. about. <laughs> yeah. I have shot many guns. <laughs> uh, my gun lives in Canada. Don't oh, look gosh. for them. You won't be able to
1: find them. <laughs> Alright, so... I
2: really
3: hope the cop gets the gun (laughs) rather
1: than me, I'm just
3: saying. (laughs) I'm going to fight for that gun, but I hope the cop ends up with
1: it. (laughs) I'm I'm an ex-cop, remember? Uh,
2: Ex-cop is probably
1: better than stuntman, no offense. (laughs) Well, probably. probably. Um, With this train we're on, I assume there's access to the, the top of the train in between the train cars. I guess what we'll, what we'll have to do is we'll have to keep moving forward, and Dirk, if you're willing, it, you know I, I understand that sometimes repeated fear can get the best of you. But if you would check the the roofs as we move forward, we can verify how far it goes. And I, I say as I kind of <laughs> rub my jaw a little bit.
3: Dirk's not afraid of anything. <laughs> Seeing as uh, he did. <laughs> for a brief second feel a little bit calmer with the wind in his face and then of course the fear rose again uh and but he's uh, he's he's gonna check and part of the reason he's gonna check is because he would rather know when those claw marks stop than not know (laughs) so he'll check as we go along to each different train car (laughs) and every time like we like there's people around just like nothing to see here (laughs) just checking it out for a future stunt the great Dangerous Digby. See me in San Francisco. Oh,
1: that's a good way to keep people from panicking. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll go maybe one car ahead of them. If, even though I'm rel- relatively an introver- introvert person, generally try to keep to myself. In, in this case, I'm kind of back in my element. So kind of chatting up people, trying to get, get a sense of if they know that anything is out of sorts or what rumors are regarding the events that have happened and kind of try to keep the attention on me as I'm moving through the cars so that they there's not as much focus on them climbing up and down constantly
3: go as we go down the train cars and I am popping my head up I'm also noticing that from the moment I checked the first train car or the last the second to last train car and forward the sky is getting darker And by the time we hit about the fifth train car, it starts to drizzle a little bit. And by the sixth train car, um, it's coming down fairly hard.
2: As we move along, I, I check the faces of people that we pass. And I'm trying to identify if I can see that killer instinct in anyone else's faces. If I can see if maybe one of these other people are like a murderer in disguise, as it were. Or if I can spot any faces that I might know from when I worked at the Chicago as a courier, see if uh, like I recognize any faces as suspects from any of those Black Dahlia murders I was talking about earlier. But I I don't work too hard on that. <clears throat> I pay more attention to when we get to my car to rummaging around for that little derringer to pass off to Alexander. And as
1: I'm going through them, also you know every once in a while I'll shake a hand or you know brush my hand across something just. To see if I get any flashes of insight, because regardless of how painful and frightening they may be, the dark figure scares me more.
0: So, as you guys are doing all of this, you do not find anyone jumping out at you as suspicious. Uh, Alexander, as you are greeting people, trying to very casually gain some information. You get a sense of fear and worry and apprehension, but nothing along the lines of guilt. And you do not get any sort of uh, flash of that same shadowy figure from your memory. With Alexander kind of breaking the ice, so to speak, and Dirk working his fame a little bit, uh, it's very easy to move through the train cars. You guys are in the general dining cars at this point. This is where people would just spend the day, even if they're not having a meal. You've got the the small little two chair tables on either side, right? And there's people there with the rain coming down and the storm building. People are huddled together. They've got some coffee, they've got some snacks. Everyone's a little bit worried. No one knows anything about a murder. The porters have kept it quiet. They believe that a passenger fell ill and you are going to make an unscheduled stop in Colorado to to get her to a hospital. Dirk, as you are popping your head up uh, on the outside of these cars basically on the outside of every car there's that little kind of railed space between train cars and there's a a ladder there's those rungs built into the side of the train so you can climb up them very easily you don't have to scramble or balance your way up there even with the storm building slowly as you move forward You see these tracks, these claw marks, moving down the train. Uh, As you said before, at one point, they seem to go from the roof wrapping down to the actual side of the train car itself. And actually, when you are at that train car, you, you stick your head around the side, and you see some of these weird law marks on the side of the train, as if it was walking on the side. And then it wraps back up to the top and continues
3: on. With the continuing moving along the train, when uh, Vincenzo goes and gets his other gun, Dirk is in the room right across from him, uh, and he's feeling more and more and more worried and he needs uh, some medicine to calm him. So he's going to go into his room, open up his suitcase, uh, and he's going to get a very nice bottle of scotch that was actually gifted to him from the mayor of Chicago after the show, Edward Joseph Kelly, and he is going to take a nice swig, and then he's going to put it... Since he doesn't have a gun to put in the back of his jeans, (laughs) he's going to put that bottle of Scotch in the back of his jeans, and he's gonna keep moving.
0: When Dirk is in his room and he's taking a slug from the bottle, he he feels for a second, maybe maybe some dust fell from the bottle and got in his eye. Oof. He 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 rubs his hand in it, and hmm, no 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 dust or anything on his finger. But but your eye keeps itching a little bit. That's uh, just annoying.
3: So I, I rub I rub my eye and I take another swig and. Uh, This scotch feels very smooth and as I leave the room I have a little bit of a coughing fit right outside my door Strong stuff You alright? Yeah, I'm fine You got that
0: weird tickle in the back of your throat like uh, coughing doesn't make it go away still kind of tickling When the
1: Vincenzo you get your gun, your other gun I get the
2: tiny little derringer, yeah, and I hand it off to you. Hey, she's a she's a small thing. Keep her safe, I say, with a bit of a smile um, I
1: look at the gun like it's some horrific thing, uh, and with this look of horror on my face, and af- after a second I just blink a couple times and say, I can't touch that.
3: I walk over and I snatch it from his hands, and I'll be like, I have no problem with it. Give it to the guy drinking scotch. <laughs> That's. <laughs> hey, I've been.
2: We, we've both been drinking yeah. since this <laughs> yeah, morning. This so. the worst idea like, ever. Oh. Come on. <laughs> Could be worse, but not by much. I, I turn to you as I, uh, as you grab the gun and I say, hey, at least someone here is manning up. And I, I s- stop dead in my tracks just mid-sentence staring you right in your your left eye. For me, it's the right. And I say, uh, you, uh, you, uh, What? You got a little, um. I, I look up and down the carriage, w- trying to see if anyone else is watching us. And then I say, uh, you gotta hold still. I grab your head.
3: What and are I you reach doing?
2: Towards your eye. What? You. You got. You got one of them in your uh, One of
3: what? And I see you, like, pull it away. Um. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And I just like... my mouth drops and I like... hit the back of the wall.
2: I- I squash it. Where did that come
3: from? And I look down at my hand... Oh gosh... Is there a doctor on this train?!
1: You still think it's not real?
3: I look at you and I punch you in the face. (laughs) 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 I'm not kidding. (laughs) It seems to be over at everybody.
2: Well, anyway, if, uh, Alexander, if you, uh, <laughs> hey, if you don't want a, if you don't want a pistol, I got, I, I got some mouth. other stuff that aren't guns. Got- <laughs> <laughs> At the risk, uh, escalating this fight by arming you. <laughs> is there, uh, is there something that, I got like a, uh, I got a butterfly
1: knife, I got a set of brass knuckles, maybe? I can take care of myself. And then I turn to, uh... Sure you can. Uh, sure you can. Uh, sure you can. <laughs> I turn to Dirk and say... That's the last time you're going to hit me.
3: I just stare at you, and I say, that's up to you.
1: And then I, I rub my jaw again, and I just smirk as we, I head towards the front of the car. Hey, hey, we're all friends here, huh? We're all
2: friends. <laughs> Except me and Alexander. He's a cop. We can't be friends. It's, it's But other than that, we're all friends here, all right? All right?
3: It's always a good thing when a mobster calls you his friend. <laughs> I've got my gun up, raised, as I walk along so you
0: guys are continuing to move towards the front of the train with that scene happening a little bit in the past you, when you get to basically the, the fourth or fifth car back from the engine, at this point the storm is, is, has broken into a full range, this is a full blown thunderstorm, the skies are dark, the rain is pelting down, it's pretty much impossible to see these tracks but at the last time you saw them You guess that they ended at probably the third or fourth car back from the engine. How many train cars are there again? If we're going from the front, uh, there's the engine. There's the conductor's private car. There are two cars that are dedicated to female passengers and their children if they are traveling alone with them and then there's a dining car. So it's the dining car where is where it ended? Yes. Of course it's hard to see exactly, like we said, the, the storm is, is raging at this point but it was definitely going that way and it was hard to see if it went further past that. What do you, uh,
2: what do you boys reckon we do, huh? Do we lock it off or something?
1: Well, just because it came this far doesn't mean it already it didn't already go back. Okay, two things. Just for my
2: sanity, please don't call it it and please don't <laughs> <laughs> please don't say that maybe it's hiding among us. Just for my sanity, I say.
3: I'm just standing there pointing my gun at the door, not looking away.
1: <laughs> so, we're just outside the dining car, is that right? That is correct. And there are not windows in these doors? Or are there? Uh, No, there are definitely windows in the doors. So we can see in? Yes. I'll I'll go ahead and grab the the door handle, and not not getting any incredible sense of foreboding or anything, open the door, making sure to stand in front of it, so that uh, Dirk doesn't accidentally shoot anybody in his excitement or nerves. And, uh... (laughs) When I look in, I see a what seems to be a fully functioning dining car. There's, there's, you know, there're porters coming in and out with food. There's people eating. Nothing seems amiss. So I, I walk in and kind of do the same thing I have been doing with touching base with people, shaking hands, and seeing what, if any, flashes I can get from from the area
0: and the people. As you move into the dining car, everything seems normal, just like the other cars you went through. However, as you get closer to the center of the car, the people you say hi to or greet briefly, you you, you don't know how to describe it, but they seem very forced you, you still get a sense of calm I'm a little bit worried about the storm I don't know what's going on because the porters seem to be acting up a little bit but it all feels not real like a little a little too perfect kind of yes it, almost like their thoughts are a script hmm. I feel scared I am worried I wonder what's for dinner. And, and it's very different from the other people. Like as, as you've been going through the train, it feels real. It feels like an actual emotional reaction. And when you get through this part of this last car or this last dining car, rather at this point, it's becoming this, this isn't the same. This isn't real. This isn't true.
1: I'm going to look up towards Dirk, who probably is still pointing the gun at me. And, uh, kind of give give them one of those those looks like there's something going on right here as I you know continue moving down the cars just so they won't think anything's amiss I move into the car
2: as well I I don't have my pistol out like Derek does I just keep it hidden sort of in my uh, under underneath my jacket and as I move through I look to my left and right just slowly scanning all the faces I don't have any extrasensory abilities so I can't tell I don't get that feeling that they're in a script but I do get just a general sense of foreboding something is definitely not right and I can feel that and once again briefly as I scan through I see sitting at one of the tables uh, that, that same German blood spattered soldier he looks up at me opens his mouth, and a little bit of blood drools out instead of anything else happening, I blink, and then it just becomes a normal dining passenger. But I'm startled by that moment. I back up and bump into someone else's table.
3: About the same exact time, I follow in last, kind of lower my gun a little because I don't want to just have it out in front of everybody uh, after Alexander gave me the look, but I'm not putting it away. No way, no how. And I step into the room very, very cautiously. I see Vincenzo kind of move back in a little bit of a startle. And then behind me, the door slams shut. And I whiz around and I'm holding my gun out pointed, and there's nothing there through the window. But in the reflection
0: of the window. Oh, gosh. <laughs> You see that memory of that horrible horrible many-mouthed thing, but it is gone in an instant
3: like a flash of lightning. I give an audible manly yell. Ah! And I, <laughs> I as I like kind of stumble back, I'm going to fall back onto the floor. And then I'm going to start like like huffing and puffing trying to catch my breath and then I just start coughing. <coughs> and
0: here's what's really weird Uh, Dirk has just fallen onto his butt in the middle of the train Uh, he's coughing very hard Alexander and Vincenzo turn quickly to see this no one else reacts Hmm. and Alexander you have this greater sense of Whatever you were feeling before, kind of the fakeness of the people around you, that seems to be spreading. All right, I, I start mumbling
1: a, a little bit kind of under my breath and say, it's it's not real. It's not real. Dirk, Vincenzo, it, they, they're, they're not here. And then I, I move over to, to Dirk to try to help him to his feet.
3: I get up and I'm like, what are you talking about?
1: You're talking riddles, mate. I, I tur-
3: turn to the rest
1: of the car, and I yell at the top of my lungs, FIRE! FIRE! GET OUT OF THE CAR!
3: Yeah, and, and nobody does anything, and I'm, I'm staring. But I pull out my gun again, and I point it at some guy's head. I'M GONNA SHOOT YOU! Nothing happens. Nothing at all. I press it to his temple, and it presses against something. I turn around. I'm like, sure feels real. And then I'm gonna look down at his arm, and I think I see something wriggling, like under his skin. And I take a step back.
0: And as you guys are coming to terms with what you are seeing ahead of you, towards the front of the train, you hear a noise. It's a noise unlike any you've ever heard before. It is something like the noise that water makes when it's swirling down a drain, but very deep and reverberating. And you know when you're watching water run down a sink, you you hear it end and the pitch changes a little bit? You, You get to that point where kind of instinctually in your head you say okay this is where this noise should end and it doesn't. It keeps going on. It keeps building and reverberating. It sounds like an echo that just doesn't stop and is swirling away and you look towards the front of the train and there is a black opening in front of you. It is yawning. It is deep. It is darker black than the storm that is raging outside the train. What's very strange is that the train is still moving. You still have a sense of the train thrumming over the tracks beneath you. If you look out the window, you can still see trees and landscape moving by, but in front of you, seemingly... Inside the train is this gaping black door that when you look through it, it's like you're looking into the night sky in the country, and you can just see stars as far as the eye can reach.
2: I fall down now and start crawling backwards away from it, muttering again like Clinton Master days. You know that turned into some sort of spell at the end, but
3: <laughs> oh, great! We need this. We need a wizard. Right Vincenzo now. <laughs> has the Necronomicon the whole time.
2: <laughs> you fools! It was me. Uh, but no, I'm praying in Italian again as I stumble backwards on my hands and knees.
3: I let off a shot. I'm gonna shoot right into that darkness as I back up. Ho-
0: hold, hold on. I I'd just like to pause for yeah. a moment. Can can we say? with all seriousness, that you just attacked the darkness? Yes. Yes. Yes, That's all, folks.
2: (laughs) Thanks, ladies and gents. Good night, everybody. We did it.
0: (laughs) Podcast (laughs) over.
2: (laughs) It finally happens. You were waiting for it, and here we are. Should have said I bust the cap in the darkness.
0: All right. So, Dirk, as you fire the gun, you all hear the bang. You, you see the muzzle flash and then you see the bullet you see it leaving the barrel of this derringer moving towards the darkness in front of you almost like leaving ripples in a pond when you skip a stone across the top of it you see these ripples in the air in front of you. And then it stops.
3: I drop I drop the gun in total shock and awe and I've just got my back up against the door that slammed shut and then I realize that the door slammed shut and I like lurch o- away from the door and I'm looking back at the darkness.
0: Your eyes follow this ripply path of the bullet that has stopped in mid-air, defying gravity, defying understanding and belief. And you see that it has stopped in front of a shadowy figure. This figure is walking out of this gaping black maw towards you. And in its hand is a flash of silver it, it's him you think I say you think it's him I, I take my,
1: my fedora off and put it on the table next to me and then take the trench coat off and put it on the, the bench and then move so I'm standing between him and the other two and then yell out to the, the figure and say why did you kill her what did she do
0: the figure stands there for a moment it starts to mirror the action you just took it, it's like it takes off a coat and you see a part of the shadow drop to the ground and then ooze out to join the rest of this expanding blackness and the shape in front of you starts to stretch and grow it is no longer average humanoid the legs are long and spindly they actually bend backwards at the knee uh, like a an animal leg and they end in huge long feet with not talons but almost like toes but they are much longer than any finger. Uh, its body withers and shrinks. It is still torso-shaped, but again, longer, not muscular, almost cylindrical. Its arms stretch out. It, they end in this strange three-fingered hand that you saw the prints of along the train, and the arms easily reach to the ground, their knuckles resting there. When it removed this coat, so to speak, erupting from its back, flexing and expanding as if sore from being hidden, huge bat like wings, easily ten feet across, uh, flap and stretch and twitch. Its head is a human shaped head, but it is tall. It is faceless There are horns Twisting up from the forehead And it cocks its head to the side There are no eyes There is no mouth But it looks at you And you can tell it is laughing You hear in your mind A deep reverberating voice Almost Almost inhumanly loud almost as if the thunder is speaking she would have warned the rest and that would
3: have complicated things so as this happens I'm gonna pick up the gun and I'm gonna shove it into Vincenzo's arms because I know that Alex won't take it um and I'm just gonna say run run And, I'm gonna kick open the back door that closed on us. I'm gonna run to the next car. I'm gonna pull out my handkerchief. And I'm gonna pull out the bottle of scotch. I shove it in the top of the scotch bottle. I look at Alex and I look at Vincenzo and I just say, keep running, keep running. And I turn and I run back into the room yelling, and I throw this Molotov cocktail at the beast, and Vincenzo and Alexander see an explosion go off. Fire goes everywhere, and they're just staring, and all of a sudden the smoke starts to become a little lighter, become a little less, so that you can see through it and you can still see that Dirk's silhouette is standing there, and then the silhouettes of other people are standing there, and a dark-winged creature pushes past Dirk, and you see that Dirk's face is half gone, and there's maggots coming out of it.
0: Alrighty, so let's bring this into our final scene. We are going to to roll here for our, our final scene of conclusion. This is the climax. This is big. So we are going to have a we're gonna have a, a 20 success scene here to wrap up the story. At this point, Alexander and Vincenzo are further back in the train. Dirk has run forward, he threw this Maltov cocktail. The shadowy winged figure is still moving forward jerk is now who knows maybe part of this maybe not he is seemingly standing away from the rest of you though and there are other figures in the smoke at this point they have not yet moved the threat of this scene will be two let's
1: start with alexander I'm going to turn to Vincenzo and say, think of something. And then I I, I too will, will run in. As I, I approach the creature, I leap and step off of a table and swing my back leg around to kick at its head. And of course it ducks because it's better than me. <laughs> but I land on... on uh, another table on the opposite side and dive and kind of roll down its back and roll along the ground and take off in a sprint to get to Dirk and when, when I do I grab him by the shoulders with both hands and basically yell in his face you have to protect yourself
3: and maggots fall out of the, <laughs> the face that's half blown apart
1: <laughs> the teeth can't hurt you if you don't let them and I've I, Look at the ma- the maggots and kind of put my hand on his face and you know the maggots shy away from me and kind of slough off a little bit. I, say, I can help you, but you have to protect yourself. And then shove you just a little bit, just a push away from me. And then I turn back towards the creature as it's turning around, smiling in, in this seemingly pointless endeavor that that this man dares to go
0: to undertake we are going to call that 13 details well because you are running into this nightmare we are going to add in a sanity check and because of your actions we are going to add a secondary goal to this final scene the secondary goal has 10 successes And we will call this secondary goal Saving Dirk. All right. Goodbye, Dirk. (laughs) Nice knowing you. Lots of love.
2: But uh, goodbye.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. So when we have a secondary goal in Wushu, when you are choosing how to assign your, your dice before we roll, You choose to either deal with the primary objective, which in this case is dealing with this creature and completing the scene, or accomplishing the secondary goal. It can change from turn to turn, but in one turn you can only work on one goal or the other. Right now you have 13 dice.
1: I'm going to work towards the secondary goal of saving dirt, and I'm going to do three sanity dice... Four Dutch dice, and I guess that leaves six gumshoe. Perfect. What skill
0: are you going to use?
1: Well, I'm going to use my uh, Master of Sudo, my hand-to-hand combat, so that'll be a a four. Okay. So let's roll your six gumshoe dice first. I've got a one, one,
0: a two, two fours, and a six, so I guess that's five. Perfect. So that is half of the secondary goal completed right off the bat.
1: Woohoo!
0: Let's roll your four Dutch dice. Three, three, five, six. So that's two successes, which is what I needed, right? You take no moxie damage. And let's roll those three sanity. Uh, one, a five, and a six. That's one success. And that's all you need to successfully retain sanity. All right, Vinny, what are we going to do? All right. With my hand, with the
2: derringer in it that got shoved on me, I put that up on a a table and I try to, you know, half-right myself. I grab another table on the other side, properly right myself, using two tables on either side for support. I shakily get to my feet. I point a gun at the little derringer at the creature and I say, Hey, you ain't no tougher than no Irishman! And I fire once with the derringer. Derringer only has like two shots. So I drop that because it's empty and then I pull my regular pistol and fire until that goes click as well Emptying every bullet I have into this creature Ah! Until finally my main pistol stops firing as well, and then I just chuck the pistol at it Everything I can I throw everything at this and then I stand there and just take a breath Just take a breath. I feel like Vinny has been very scared up until this point but finally, pushes come to shove. It's either jump, sink, or swim. And Vinny is, if he does not swim, he is ready to sink. All right. I'm going to call that 11. I would like to use all 11 on this attack, please. I would like to nice. use all 11 for my wow. Dutch. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to take that two moxie damage.
0: And sanity damage as well. You know what? I, I am not going to call for Sanity. Because you are simply firing your gun into an enemy that is very... That's something very comfortable for you. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. Nothing has
2: been proven in a court of law yet.
0: (laughs) It's probably comfortable. It seems like it might be. I don't know why. And uh, you are rolling all of these towards the primary? Yes, towards the primary. Okay, so we are rolling no dutch... 11 gumshoe dice, and uh, I'm going to bet that we're calling on your made men skill. All right, cool. It seems right to me in this situation. I'm very glad you
2: came to that conclusion. <laughs> 11, you said. 11, right? 11. Uh, so, uh, 9 in total.
0: Wonderful. So, you do take 2 moxie damage from the threat here. The crazy... Happenings, the firebomb, the storm outside—you're just being buffeted by all this supernatural happening. But you manage to bravely face off against this creature in front of you,
3: Mitch. I'm gonna give Dirk a try. I, I was hoping you were. I I have an idea of what what would happen. <laughs> Alexander came up to Dirk put his hand on his maggot-covered face where there was damage from the explosion. They had just seemingly been crawling out, and he brushed them away, and Dirk stumbled backwards. Alexander then turned towards the creature in front of him. Dirk, against the wall, looks up, and the area of his face that Alexander touched is completely fine. No maggots. His eye is clear. Whereas the other half of his face covered in maggots and his eye is where they're all spreading out from. And in Dirk's mind, he is feeling an urge to run up to Alex and to do more than punch him again. However he also has this voice at the back of his head that's saying, No. Fight it. Fight it. And in a burst of energy, he runs screaming, ah! And he, as this creature has turned back towards him, he jumps on back of this creature, and wraps his arms around his neck, and starts to try and pull this creature back, and start to try and quote-unquote choke this creature. Like, that's going to help, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so that is going to be nine dice. Okay. No need for sanity here, so we will still split between gumshoe and dutch.
3: I think that I'm going to go... Not to sound uh, repetitive, but I think I'm going to go all gumshoe, man. Do it. Do it. Alrighty. What skill are you using? Your... I think greatest stunt performer in America makes sense. I'm Absolutely. I imagine I'm jumping on the back of this guy and I'm using the the choreographed fight skills that I've learned, only this time I'm not holding back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alright, a lot of dice. Quite a few sixes.
1: <laughs> It'd be awesome elsewhere. But game. not right now.
3: <laughs> I have four sixes, so that means I have uh, five successes.
0: Perfect. Well, that does put us at 14 out of 20. So we are very close to ending the scene. However, Dirk is still not saved. There are still five successes left to save Dirk. Uh, but we are close to resolving the scene. Does Dirk perhaps hear another voice in his head as he jumps on the back of this creature? Sure. As Dirk is is fighting valiantly... He hears a voice, and it it, it sounds very different from that thrumming he heard before. This voice sounds like writhing things, somehow forming words, and it is saying, Dirk, I've been watching you, and it's time. Come with me. You're ready.
3: What a creep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's trying to hit on you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now we know why they attacked this train. Now, <laughs> yep, yep, we, know. That's it. now we know. Now
0: we know. Alrighty, so uh, throw it back to Alexander or Vincenzo. After you. Thank you. <laughs> I think. <laughs>
1: I see Dirk run past me, char- charging this creature, and then I, I imagine as his uh, he hears this voice that I may pick up traces of the feeling. His grip slackens a little bit. He hears this voice, and his, his grip starts to slacken, and he kind of slides off the back of the creature as he's fighting this battle in- within himself. And I run up to him, and very quickly and roughly, I as his backs to me I grab his shoulders and slam him down to the ground and do like one leg over with both hands on on his shoulders and stare at his eyes and say you have to fight it if, if you can't fight it you're lost and then I, I put ha- my hands on both sides of his face and put my face like right up there right right up next to his and say you are stronger don't be afraid, and wait and hope to see those wriggling creatures in his eyes start to, to fade a little bit, but, but before I can really get a sense for how, how that's going, I can almost feel the creature coming up behind me, so I, I roll forward over Dirk and turn in a crouch, kind of standing over him as protectively as a human can be against this kind of thing.
0: All right, that's going to be ten dice. All right. No sanity check on this one? No sanity. All right, I'm going to,
1: since I pretty much put, put myself in, in danger to do this, I'm going to kind of follow the trend and do all ten on gumshoe, and I'm going to do, do all, 10, all ten towards the secondary goal of saving Dirk. Wonderful. I, I think I can probably use my... my Master of Tangsudo again because of the maneuvers I was pulling in order to pull him back and, you know, get roll on on top of him and then dodge the attack from the the creature behind me. Yeah, I'll agree. And that means I need a four. I got eight successes. Wow!
0: Three twos, two threes, and three fours. Alrighty, so you do take two moxie damage from at this point. The maggots exploding out of Dirk. All right. Your connection with him, your commitment to helping him break through this fear, it, it, it's kind of like you you almost shook him violently by the shoulders, and the maggots just, like, poof, exploded
3: out of him. Can I then say that also I my head reels back... And the maggots that fly out, but also then all of a sudden I let out this, like, yell, and from outside of my mouth swarms these flying creatures, and they all just fly out. Absolutely. So
0: so you are expelling these maggots who apparently have matured while inside (laughs) your body into flying creatures, and you are lying there on the ground and you take this clear breath and you don't cough you feel a deep sense of rightness inside of you for a moment Alexander is standing over you there is this horrible creepy massive winged thing still approaching you Uh, there are six successes left to finish this scene Uh, who wants to go i charge down the train car towards the
2: this creature and as i charge i grab from one of the tables a champagne bottle as i'm going and i i just in one smooth motion i've got it held in my hand as if it were a club and as i'm charging the train car disappears around me and instead i'm charging through at, at night, snow in a forest, at a shadowy figure up out in front of me. And as I'm charging, the distance seems to be getting longer and longer, not shorter and shorter, but I keep running anyway. And then somewhere in the night sky, a flare gets set off, and the entire forest is bathed in illumination, and the shadowy figure materializes into that German soldier. But this time, Instead of blood spackled, he just looks surprised and startled at me charging towards him. I swing with the bottle, and it connects heavily against his cheek and smashes everywhere. But then suddenly, I'm back in the train car, and I've hit this giant shadowy figure with a champagne bottle.
0: <laughs> Sixteen dice. Oh, nice, Adam. Wow.
2: Uh, do I? Oh, sanity. Is that got something I got to worry about? No,
0: no, <laughs> right. I, can't, I can't justify giving you that penalty because it's too good.
2: Okay, I am going to expend. Why not? two dice on Dutch. All... <laughs> 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 it's okay, guys. On Dutch. <laughs> it's okay, guys. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no! All of it in gumshoe. So, oh, it's a lot of ones. Good on me. Woohoo! Nine in total. Hang on, still not done rolling though. Oh man. Uh, yeah, thirteen successes in total.
1: That almost ended the scene on its own right there. <laughs> uh,
2: you also succeeded the next scene. I <laughs> also just fined five hundred dollars on the ground. What a thong.
0: So you snap back into reality from this vision of the war and you see in front of you this shadowy figure. It is split down the middle. You drove this champagne bottle from its skull down to the base of its ribs and it just splits to the sides and just withers as if you watched a flower withering in fast forward motion as this thing is withering away the shadows around you are sucking back into it retracting almost and this loud echoing thunder that had been reverberating is also lessening and lessening And finally you hear it as just the regular thunder of a thunderstorm. And the shadows, the darkness, this gate that was in front of you is sucking back, retracting into this shape that is continually shrinking smaller and smaller. As this is happening, Vincenzo, you... You're standing there watching it you're, you're in awe You don't understand And suddenly you feel a presence Next to you And you look over And it's Tracy And she's spectral You can see through her And she puts her hand On, on your shoulder You don't feel it But you see it there And she said I knew it would be okay Good job. And then she vanishes, and the shadows vanish, and the three of you are standing in the middle of the train, and all the passengers around you are seemingly asleep.
2: Several times I make an attempt to say something, but nothing comes out.
1: I just stand there dumbfounded. If we're in the same same position we were kind of step over and offer Dirk a hand up
3: I uh look up stunned I grab onto Alexander's hand and let him help me to my feet I have no words I just stare at Alex and I put my other hand out and I give him a little shoulder pat (laughs) I'm not good with and, emotions. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I, I look back at him and kind of give him a nod and say, you saved yourself. After a second, I, I release the handshake and go check on the nearest passenger to see if they're actually breathing and, and whatnot. And there are no
0: creepy, crawly things. And absolutely, everyone that you check on seems fine. They are waking up. They just... They react as if you were shaking them awake to offer them something. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, can I help you? What's that? They don't remember anything about what happened. They are all perfectly fine. And you, you can go back through any of the train cars.
3: They are all
0: acting normally, hanging out normally, Their only reaction is, "Wow, that was a pretty bad storm, huh? I guess I must have dozed off."
3: Does the conductor not remember anything either? The conductor does not remember anything either. And what What about the what about the train car? Yeah, the explosion uh, and the blood on the wall. What happened to that? Is it just gone? Before
2: we venture too far away from the dining car, I collect both of the pistols because both of them had been used in separate crimes and I would not like them
3: traced back to me. <laughs> you wipe them off, throw them out the train window. <laughs>
2: no, I just I just pocket them. I just I don't want them I don't want anyone picking them up and tying several crimes back to me.
0: So you clean up a little bit, you you all share that confused look. No one seems to remember what happened. This is very odd. You all remember clearly. There's no gap in your memory. You all share these events. And almost without saying anything, you, you say, you, you know you need to go back and look at that train car. Uh, the storage uh, car where this all started. You go back there. You open the door. There is no blood There is no body. The crates, barrels, cabinet doors, they are still damaged. But it now looks like the damage that would have happened if they fell from being improperly stacked. Uh, What about Tracy? Can we find her? Tracy is
1: nowhere to be found. And no, no flashes of insight or anything that would... Give me any hint of whether one whether she would be anywhere, and two whether this actually happened or not. Oh, I uh,
2: I tell you guys by the way, like uh, I don't know if you uh, saw saw Tracy, but when we came back, she uh, she had some words for me. You guys saw that as well, right? Right? Feel free to answer!
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I felt her presence,
0: but I could not see her. Good. So, Alexander, you are able to basically sense peacefulness when you try to find Tracy, but you cannot find her actual presence. The rest of the trip passes in normalcy you arrive at San Francisco and disembark the three of you stand there in shock in awe you don't understand what's happened as you're getting your luggage and exiting the Challenger train you look back and you see those footprints.
2: Well, see you later. It was nice <laughs> knowing you guys.
0: <laughs> and that's where we're going to call this game.
3: That was fantastic. Thank you nice. so yes. much, Caleb. That was uh, awesome. I can't that G-G. wait was to edit. Excellent.
0: Thank you for listening to Shadow on the Rails. This concludes this horrifying eldritch wushu tale. If you want to hear more about the conception of this game and more of the game details, I encourage you to listen to me chat with Mitch in our conclusion interview.